Hello, welcome to the Marriage Underdogs radio show, and I'm your host, Chris A. Matthews. Once again, I have another dynamic guest. I would like to introduce you all to Kendra King, who's a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical addiction specialist. She's also a certified sex therapist. We have Miss Kendra on the show today because as an expert who treats couples who are suffering from porn and sex addiction, I felt that she would be a valuable addition to those who li- are listening. Uh, welcome, welcome, Miss King. Thank you. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Now, I know there are two other credentials on your name that are associated with the work you do. Uh, mm-hmm. What 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 were those again? I don't want to uh, miss out any, on any <laughs> of your training or credentials. I know that stuff is expensive, no. time and money. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. So I'm also a partner recovery therapist that specifically works with partners um, of sex and porn addiction. And I'm also a partner betrayal trauma therapist. So it all kind of goes hand in hand, but I'm specifically credentialed to work with partners of sex and porn addicts. And that's important. And assist with their recovery. Yeah, it is. And that's important to have this specialty, right? And that's something we Mm -hmm. try to do on the Marriage Underdog Show. We want to find persons like yourself who specialize in that field. Can you tell us a little bit about what got you into this area of treatment? It is very specific. It is. It is. So I've been in mental health. I've been uh, working within the mental health and substance abuse field for 10 plus years. Um, I've worked in treatment centers. I've worked for agencies. I've been in private medical practices. But once I realized that I'm, I enjoy being an, an eclectic therapist and I like engaging in populations that are underserved or aren't really explored that much from being able to be involved to provide services to. When I went into private practice the first time, um, I started at a group practice that specialized in sex and porn addiction. And so I thought that was really awesome because in undergrad or grad school, there wasn't any courses that talked about mm. this type of stuff or even talked about sex in general or sexuality Absolutely. it's not really um, that many courses that are specific into that area no no it's not so I felt really um I felt really called and connected to really be able to explore and add this to my level of knowledge and understanding when it comes to being able to provide effective um therapy and I fell in love with it I fell in love with it and it's just, it's, it's shifted me in so many different ways to be able to better understand myself. And, you know, as therapists, the first thing we have to do is work on ourselves, right. And identify and address our own individual needs to help others. So it it was a hand in hand thing. So once I was able to do that and learned all this. Now now talk talk about that for a second. Were there any, and were there any prior moments in your life as you're learning this content where you saw yourself as a client mm-hmm. so Talk definitely it. when it comes to when it comes to just sexuality and feeling voids through engaging in sex instead of really addressing the emotional underlying issues that stuff came out and so mm-hmm. I was at a crossword where I was like okay I have to address this stuff 
for myself because they didn't teach us these things growing up. Either you were taught abstinence or sex was wrong outside of marriage. There was no content and context to really understand healthy sexuality, even having conversations around sex and upbringing. And there's just, there's such a disconnect and a deprivation when it comes to sex education in general. Right. Um, I'm a really firm believer in being able to shift the narrative on, on what sexuality is and what sex is and really be able to give a better understanding and knowledge to where people can feel comfortable with talking about sex. So, um, so, so let's let's stop there for a second because you said something that was very important. And we've had other sex therapists on the show as well. And I'm seeing and hearing this theme that keeps coming up. Healthy sexuality. Mm-hmm. Healthy conversations around sex. Mm-hmm. Well, if we look at the other side, when you think about the work you do, people aren't usually coming in because they're healthy. Right. And I recall just my own experience. The first time I was introduced to sex addiction, it was from 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 the media. I remember mm-hmm. the Tiger Woods scandal, right? Yeah, yeah. himself in because he was an addicted to sex. Mm-hmm. So, so share with the listeners how do we determine if someone is addicted to sex or addicted to porn versus they just don't want to be accountable to one person. They like to cheat and have sex with multiple people. Like help us differentiate the two for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest thing is just like with any addiction, if it affects your level of functioning in the different roles you have in your everyday life, it is an issue. If it's something that you have to feel like, say, if you get a trigger, say um, you're, you're stressed out or you had some issues at work or your relationships. And that's the first thing that you go to to cope. There is a problem. So the first step would be if you have to engage in that action to gain that feeling as a coping mechanism. So using sex as a coping mechanism to soothe or to feel good. Give us some more. That's a good one. Yes. So, you know, it's, 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 and, and to be honest with you, sex and porn addiction, it's so broad and it takes different shapes and forms. Um, Another one of the forms is affair, right? Um, You can have something, an affair can, could be a one night stand or it could be something that's extended, but there's, there are needs and boys not being addressed within an individual to where they don't have an emotional safe space or they don't have the skills to be able to regulate their emotions in a healthy way. And they seek instant gratification, whether it be through social media, i.e. Instagram, where you just can scroll and see all types of stimulating content, pictures, videos, whatever the case may be. Um, It's just it's it's so much. I have so many different cases. Let, not let, one let, case let's put this in context for 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 people listening, right? And okay. and I want to work through this because I'm also trained in addiction counseling as well. Mm-hmm. And to make this make sense for people mm-hmm. who may not be trained, when a person is so reliant on achieving a level of gratification they break their own rules. They go against their own values. I believe that has to be something we talk about because you may have people who are listening that just like sex. Mm -hmm. And 
I want to make sure that the listeners understand when a person goes beyond what they see is right or wrong. Meaning Mm -hmm. if you're in a monogamous relationship and you breach that monogamy because you're so attracted to uh, sex with other partners or that feeling, it may not even be the person that you're caring about having it with. It's just the act itself. Then that's when we start to, to seep into a problematic behavior because someone who's married and they, enjoyed having sex multiple times a day even with their partner and that partner Mm -hmm. enjoys that as well that may that that may not quantify as a sex addiction i think that's important can you break that down because there's certain people depending on how they've structured their relationship and their in their appetite or their craving or uh palate for sex may like a lot of sex and that's fine Mm -hmm. but break down when it becomes an issue we've talked about earlier when a person can't function, right? Mm-hmm. So that would look like um, extreme masturbation or, or or so frequent that you can't get work done mm-hmm. or uh, it's, it's, it's done in public settings, right? That, that would be problematic, obviously, but give some, mm-hmm. give some more ways on how it's problematic. Okay, so like you said, and I, I love the example that you gave, when it starts violating your own morals and ethics and how you maneuver as a human being. Or another example, if you're in a monogamous relationship and you step outside of that to fulfill other things as opposed to coming to your partner and expressing what's going on, there's a breakdown somewhere. And like you said as well, it's okay to engage in in sex with your person right but when it starts venturing out to where you're doing it in secretive ways um where you're starting doing it in ways where like i said before regulating your emotions using it as a coping skill i understand being able to to bring down stress levels and things that are triggered that's fine but when it starts affecting and having negative impacts on your relationships on your work responsibilities, on your ability just to connect within yourself, then it becomes problematic. Definitely. Now let's talk about the porn because uh, personally, you know, I don't, I don't watch porn because of the training I've received in, in schooling on how it can alter brain chemistry and just mm-hmm. your perception of what's real, what's not real, but mm-hmm. share a little bit about some of the, concerns that can be brought about within a marriage or relationship if partners are um, watching porn. Okay. Okay. So the biggest thing that I have noticed, and I've been collecting data within my head so far that I'm eventually do some research with, (laughs) um, is that there isn't a conversation between partners on what Mm -hmm. is, what is an agreeable um, engagement with porn. Um, what's okay? What's not okay? Are we going to watch this type of porn together? Like comfortability wise, there is no conversation. So what I have seen is that partners, excuse me, will already come from a place before they got together where they've been engaging in porn since they were introduced at middle school, elementary school ages. And it'll be something that's been built over time to where eventually they get married to their spouse and they want to introduce 
things slowly into the relationship. The partner becomes, they're a little bit questionable, but they they agree to it just because they want to be able to satisfy their partner, of course. Um, but then it becomes a problem because either it becomes too consistent or the partner becomes uncomfortable with the things that are being introduced or the partner has caught the spouse engaging in porn outside of the relationship in a secretive manner. And let's, so let's stop there on, on, on that one for a second, because mm -hmm. I recall working with a couple mm -hmm. and they they came in for infidelity. It was mm -hmm. infidelity treatment. And I asked the wife, I was like, so did your husband cheat on you? And she was like, yes, right in front of me. Okay. I was like, oh, well, tell me more. And she described mm -hmm. how they had just finished having sex. Mm -hmm. And um, while she was sleeping on you know, the side of the bed, he turned over, pulled out his phone and began to masturbate to porn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she caught him. Mm -hmm. And she felt betrayed. Mm -hmm. So I want you to talk about how couples who aren't in alignment with porn or one partner may not want the person to watch porn at all, but they choose to do so, how that can be equivalent to infidelity or, or cheating or feeling uh, betrayed by, by your partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've had a uh, several couples like that. Um, so let me give a little bit of background to that particular partner, why she expressed feeling like she was betrayed, right? So they were intimate, right? Mm -hmm. They were intimate and they concluded their intimacy. And then her spouse proceeded to engage in more intimacy with something or someone else. The partner internalized that as I am not enough mm -hmm. sexually for you to where you feel as though you have to engage in more, not with me, but with something or someone else to get even more gratification mm. without talking to me, without referencing nothing, no conversation. So that was probably the alignment or the thinking process that she had. And mm. she was rightfully, she was right. She's rightfully justified and validated for that because when there is no conversation it leads to issues. Now, it in the just, event, now in the event that the husband would have spoken to the wife mm -hmm. and she was not okay with that mm -hmm. and he did it anyway, at that point, we're now looking at just a betrayal or a breach of boundaries. Mm -hmm. And a lot of couples don't have these conversations mm -hmm. to even know what a boundary looks like. So when it's crossed, it's now in the moment. Mm -hmm. So one mm -hmm. of the takeaways I'm hearing you say is that couples need to be open and honest about their experiences with porn in the past. Yes. Currently in the relationship, if they change their mind about mm -hmm. it, because just because your partner may have entered the relationship okay with it, it doesn't mean that they've kept that same frame of reference. And right. I grew up in a, in a time frame where um, and this was back in the day when you had like the VHS videos and mm -hmm. my father, he, he had a big old stash. And that's how I learned a lot about sex. But, you know, as I got educated over time, I realized it was unhealthy mm -hmm. and men are, are really visual. So mm -hmm. 
we can look at something and become stimulated by it. And over time, like you said, it can take away that same level of gratification that we're supposed to be experiencing with our physical partner. Exactly. So talk about the treatment. So if there's someone listening and mm-hmm. they have a spouse who they feel may have an issue with porn or sex addiction, how do they get treated? And what's the effectiveness of the treatments that you've seen? Okay. So step one, um, you have to find a therapist that's either specializes in marriage and family or specializes specifically with sex and porn addiction, right? Has a certification. I don't care what certification it is, but it has to be a valid certification that they have this specialized knowledge, trained skills to be able to properly and effectively meet your needs. And why is that important? Talk about why that's important. So the field of just sex and porn addiction is still being developed. Um, There are a lot of founders and forefathers, but it's still taboo. Um, And unfortunately, we live in the South and we don't talk about sex, but everybody has sex. And all these issues are happening. But on our side of the country, it's just this thing that is just silenced. Swept under the rug. It's just swept under the rug. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's looked at, it's frowned upon, whatever the case may be. Um, But it's happening. It's happening on on all types of levels between incomes, social statuses. I have all types of clients. So there is no limit of, there is no limit when it comes to who this is affecting. It is finding someone who's a specialist or certified in the field of treatment sex Mm -hmm. addiction, relationships, pornography addiction. Once they find that specialist, what should they be looking for or walk us through what the treatment process is? So usually how, what makes it effective is that not only do you have to treat the couple or the unit, but you also have to be engaged in individual therapy as well. Um, It just, it, it is not conducive to just be able to treat the unit when you don't have a consistent understanding or background or context to what the individual's um, upbringing was, what their sexuality was, like just, you have to understand the cultivation of the individual person. So a full assessment of who that person is. Full assessment on all types of levels. Um, So that's important as well. So when you are trying to seek out, when you are trying to seek out a professional that works particularly in this area, you want to keep in context. Or and, in and what are, what are the outcomes? Because with addiction, you know, we're taught that in addiction treatment, relapse uh, should, should is, relapse is not required, but it should be expected, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not mm-hmm. required, but we should expect relapse. So what does this, Mm -hmm. what, what does relapse look like when you're treating porn and sex addiction? Okay. So I'm glad you asked that question because I get partners that, that come to me all the time. They want a time frame. How long before we're going to get over this? And I have to be honest with them and let them know that this is a lifelong journey. As long Mm -hmm. as you stay in this marriage or stay in this relationship, you will be working through this the entire time. This does not stop. His recovery is his recovery. Your recovery is your recovery. It does not end. 
It's a wraparound, lifelong service as long as y'all stay in this relationship. And I also like to add a caveat to that. Even if you don't stay in the relationship or the marriage, you're still going to have to deal with this. Because what happens is we, we have trauma from relationships, right? And then we leave the relationships thinking that if we get into another one, that that's going to heal old wounds. It's not. You have to heal your own stuff. So you're still going to have to do work regardless if you stay in this or not. That was so important to hear because the listeners need to understand that addictions are lifelong battles. And despite relapse, despite remission, Mm -hmm. it can always come back up again. Yeah. How when a person is diagnosed with cancer, they have to do cancer screenings for the rest Mm -hmm. of their life to make sure it doesn't come back. The same with addiction. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that point. What are some other takeaways that you could provide to couples that may be in different stages that are a relationship in order to prevent going down the rabbit hole or getting kind of bit with the with the sex addiction bug of like, how does it start? And is there ways it can be prevented? Right. Like with with substance use, I know it's kind of easier said than done. If you if you don't use drugs, then you don't get addicted to drugs. Right. Yeah. But um, with also substance abuse behaviors, it could be something that is hereditary is the same with sex addiction and if so what are some preventable measures that couples can take to avoid porn and sex addiction uh being prevalent in their relationships so some some key things um to be able to at least attempt prevention right um because all it is is an attempt uh conversation there needs to be con- at the beginning the courtship. That's the biggest just piece. openness, transparency. So, so, so someone's coming in a relationship and they watch a lot of porn. We need to we need to talk get, about it. Yeah, hey, you need that's, to go on that's and tell something me. we do. That that is that like first second date topic. I wouldn't necessarily say first or second date topic, but they don't teach us how we should be able to really assess if a person is a right partner for me or a partner that I can be able to um, take on in regards to their own individual strengths. Can I work with you? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's relationships are jobs. I'm, I'm sorry. They just are. And once we get past this surface level, what can you buy from me? what sex is like, this external stuff, this external gratification, and we get to the root of really establishing a foundation that will inevitably lead to a lasting, fulfilling relationship over time. We're just going to be out here just speed dating. It's really all it's You bring up a good point. And I think something could be helpful because relationships are always changing and evolving, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a firm mm-hmm. believer that the person you marry isn't the person you stay married to. Exactly. They're going to continuously change as you should as well. Yes. I believe that it's important for the listeners to acknowledge that when you keep a level of openness mm-hmm. and you're constantly being authentic mm-hmm. about what you like and don't like, it makes it easier on the back end because if you begin a relationship and you tell yourself, well... They have a good job. They mm-hmm. look good. I can yeah. kind of overlook that. The little yeah. things you overlook become the big things that you can't overlook later. Right. So I believe to your point, it's really important to keep a level of openness throughout the entire relationship, mm-hmm. understanding what you can and can't tolerate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want people out there listening to know that 
there's no shame or judgment. I'll be vulnerable. When I when I was uh, younger in college, you know, even when I first got married, I would watch porn. And it wasn't until I got my faith right, but more so the science behind it. When I realized mm-hmm. that porn could be something that takes me away from mm-hmm. fulfilling or being fulfilled by my partner sexually, yeah. I didn't want that to be something that impeded our connection. Right, and right. That was really something that helped me get away from it. And then two, mm-hmm. when I understood that, like scientifically in the brain, how there are endorphins and chemicals mm-hmm. and, and, and hormones. Dopamine. And these, dopamine. Dopamine. It's like, you know, I only want that job to be for my wife, right? Right. And for those that are listening, I want to share this with you. When you create a space in your marriage where your partner becomes your ultimate source of sexual gratification, mm-hmm. it takes the connection to a whole nother level. Yeah. So there were more pros than cons mm-hmm. to giving up porn. And I know some partners might look at porn together. I'm I'm too anxious. Like I don't want my wife to be looking at something that I don't have or yeah. something I can't do and be wanting that. So yep. <laughs> that's another reason yep. why I never wanted to do porn watching with my partner. Um, right. You know, so I think there are a lot of benefits to not watching porn and creating a space in your marriage where your partner can be your ultimate level of sexual gratification. Yeah. Uh, and that's the gift that I believe you have in a safe, healthy, monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you think about everybody on the planet, and that one person is the person that you get to lay down with and gain those emotions and connections and, and gratification with, that's a pretty special role that I believe you want just your partner to have that's that's my take on it I know I know we're coming up on time I want to provide you an opportunity to share with the listeners how they can get in contact with you any special projects or things that you're doing and how we can how we can stay in touch okay so if uh listeners if you want to get in contact with me you can go to the healinghearttherapycenter.com um, and you can go to the contact page, send me a message. Um, that's you can find me on psychology today, um, either through the healing heart center, or you can, con- you can find me Kendra King. Um, so yeah, I'm just, you can Google Kendra King in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I just come up or you can Google the healing heart center either way. Um, and just, yeah, we could just start there. Um, don't have anything really too much coming up right now. It's, it's the end of the year. So I'm just coming, I'm just trying to figure out creatively what I want to do. Um, for 2024, I have had plenty of, (laughs) plenty of recommendations for me to start a a podcast specifically for partners as sex and porn addicts. So that partners group, uh, partners podcast 2024 is most likely going to happen sometime next year Do it. um yes. and Do it. i think it would be so awesome um i think it would be such a gift to so many people that are struggling in the dark behind closed doors where they it's, feel it's that needed. they're alone it, it, yeah and one thing and one thing too the podcast when you start i'm gonna speak it it's gonna give a safe space for people yeah to, to have conversations not just about porn and sex addiction but healthy sexuality yeah. Yes. And I'm just so thankful that you uh, have answered the calling to work with clients 
that suffer from porn and sex addiction. Uh, Miss King, thank you again for being on our show. Thank you. Yeah. I thank all the listeners for tuning in. Uh, please like, comment. Our show is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Chris A. Matthews, and you've been listening to the Marriage Underdog Radio Show.